the fire. Fire. Catch the fire. Welcome to Catch the Fire. I am Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and we are happy to be here spreading the fire and living in the fire, right, Susie? Absolutely. And I'm super excited about Catch the Fire today, Lisa, because we got some funny stories. Oh, you know what, Susie? Jesus truly has a sense of humor, and he does for both of us this week, right? Oh, he does. You know, I have that picture. You know, do you have that picture of Jesus laughing? I have that right outside I my son's I love that picture. I know the one you're talking about. And they actually gave it to me, but I stuck it in Ian's wall because, well, it fit on that space in the wall. So, you know, it's just why. <laughs> It's there. But yes, Jesus has a sense of humor. I mean, look, he, he went to a wedding. He provided alcohol. What can you say? <laughs> well, let me tell you what he did, because this was so unexpected. I was on a retreat and, you know, you and I really prayed about this season of catch the fire and what is God calling for? And, you know, to us, we felt like he gave us the title for catch the fire to really mean something. Eucharistic Adoration, it was a huge retreat, 3,200 people. Father Mike Schmitz, with about 20 priests behind him, enters into the room with Jesus in the monstrance, and what happens? The alarm, the fire alarm goes off, and they couldn't get it to turn off. Oh, gosh. And it got louder and louder and louder, and, and you know... They tried to turn up the music so that we couldn't hear the fire alarm and everybody's looking around. <laughs> that doesn't work. Well, so then when everybody called, you know, when they finally got it turned off, he started laughing and he said, what would happen if the fire alarm went off every time Jesus walked into the room? And so I really prayed into that and I felt like the Lord is showing me in my own life when I've spent time in adoration, time before the Blessed Sacrament, man, you could turn on the fire alarm or not, but that's when my faith has has like exploded into flames. So really, Jesus, time before him, turn up the fire, right? It's right. And a fire alarm, like how appropriate is that? We laughed. I, I mean, just thought it was seriously, funny. The Holy Spirit is the fire. Um, I love that, Lisa. I mean, you know, really and truly, yes, the time in front of the Blessed Sacrament is... Oh, goodness. I mean, we could just say so many things about that. Rekindling, you know, all kinds of fire analogies. <laughs> we could go on and on. Time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Well, mine is not quite as fiery as that, but mine is like funny, super funny. And if you don't think God has a sense of humor or Jesus did incarnate, God incarnate, then think again, because you were with me in mass one day. I, you, we sat accidentally together, which doesn't happen often we're not always there at the We're same not time. there at the same time. And so um, during the sign of peace, there's this dear, dear, dear friend of mine who's in daily mass, see her every day. And she, we have our little places where we sit and she's on the other side. And I always, when it's the sign of peace time for her name is Marie, I like wave to Marie, but I blow her a kiss and I go, love you friend. Just like I mouth the words, love you friend. And you know, peace like that. Well, there's this lovely older gentleman that is in mass every day. And he happened to be right in the line of sight when I blew the kiss to Marie and Lisa was sitting right next to me and he blew a kiss back at me. And he was like, it was like, he just kind of went, okay, I'm game. And he, you know, and he blew this kiss right at me. And Lisa and I just looked at each other and I said, 
Oh, Lord, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, and I don't even know if Marie saw me that time because he literally was like right in the line of sight, like kind of blocking. But it happened all of a sudden, Susie. He wasn't there and then he was. And then he was. And it was so funny. Well, Lisa and I literally, I mean, we tried to control it, but we laughed until (laughs) we walked up to communion because it was just so lighthearted and absolutely hilarious. (laughs) But you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's just one of those moments in life that, yes, it was during Mass. Yes, it was during um, maybe some might call a reverent time and a time where you should be a little more somber, but this was completely unplanned. Susie, I have no doubt Jesus was laughing with us because it was just funny. He had to have been because it was so funny because that man's face just kind of lit up like, okay. (laughs) Well, you know, speaking of laughter and joy, we are so happy to be Catholic. But that doesn't mean all of our problems are going to disappear, Susie. And I read a quote that prompted me to really want to talk about what do we do when we experience sadness? A quote from Padre Pio, which says, don't allow any sadness to dwell in your soul for sadness prevents the Holy Spirit from acting freely. Don't you love that? Oh, I love that. You know, uh, um, when I was doing a Bible study one time, the, a girl in the class said that her mom used to say, well, you can go to your pity party, just don't stay there long. Right. And that's basically what that's saying, is that if you stay there and you stay in that place, and really and truly, we do have the gift of reason and free will from God, and we can make a choice in our minds to say, no, I'm not going to dwell on this, and to choose something that will distract us from that, don't you think? Yes. So that then the Holy Spirit has free reign. He has a full playing field. Obviously, we're going to feel sad sometimes. We're going to feel down sometimes. That's just part of life. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard. But for me, one of the um, first things that I do if, you know, if I wake up in the morning and I'm just like that, that feeling comes over me, I turn on praise and worship music. Whatever music will grab my soul and it totally lifts my spirit. Not that the circumstances change, mm-hmm. but my my attitude does. That It just helps me feel lighter. Yeah, well, the circumstances don't change. And, you know, I think hopefully, prayerfully, that's a sign of spiritual maturity, Lisa, is that we understand they don't change instantaneous, instantaneously, um, but our attitude can change. Lisa, I do the same thing. I also have a couple of friends that I call, they're my pray for me texting friends. And literally, all I have to do is need prayer, to pray for me. Like, two in particular, and they do the same with me. And that kind of lifts me because I know I have that support. I always pray a Hail Mary right away. And I've noticed lately that doing that, Mother Mary just, um, she becomes that heavenly friend in that moment to lift me out of maybe despair or hopelessness. You know, and the other thing we have to remember is the power of the name of Jesus. When just, just speaking his name can, you know, if we do it prayerfully and just like with the eyes on him, it does lift us up. It doesn't change the circumstances, but somehow we feel lighter. We do. And Lisa, when we take Jesus with us, wherever we are, I'm a big believer too in the fact that if there's nothing prohibiting me from changing my my situation at the time, look, I go to the gym, you know, (laughs) I live, I could almost walk to my gym where we, we work out and I will change my, my surroundings if that's what I feel like God's calling me to do. And I pray into that situation and while I'm doing it. And that can also help to lift, you know, there's a real thing about oxygen flow to the brain, you know, there really is. And you know what, Susie, that brings up a good point that, um, 
when that sadness just comes over you or the, just that yuck feeling, and if it comes out of the blue, I'll ask the Lord, where is this coming from? Is this like, are you, where, how did this get here and, and help move me through it? So, yeah, um, I mean, you got to talk to him. You got to talk, gotta to, talk him. to him. All right, stick with us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I am Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie on Catch the Fire. This is a Young Catholic Minute. Why should I have Catholic friends? You ever notice that in scary movies, if a character's going to die, he somehow gets split off from the group? I think there's a reason Christ sent his apostles out two by two on their missions. We need Catholic friends to be a constant living reminder that Christ has called us to life, that our joy may be complete. Life and joy. Who doesn't want those? The problem is that while non-Catholic friends might want them, They don't understand that Christ is where life and joy come from. So they go looking to the culture and fall for counterfeits that promise life, but give us death. And if that surrounds us, we'll be alone and confused, even in the midst of friends. So what's a Catholic to do? Go make some good Catholic friends, and together bring Christ to our culture. Everybody's waiting for him. For more, go to youtube.com slash youngcatholic. Catch the Fire. I am Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie. And Susie, today we decided we needed some testosterone in the studio. We needed a man, Lisa. (laughs) The Holy Spirit brought us a man. We've had quite a few female guests talking about the fire of our faith. But today we are joined by Rafi Flores, who is going to tell us how he works to help light the fire in men. Right, Rafi? Welcome to Catch the Fire. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate y'all. Y'all welcome me into your studio today. Well, I know that you're working on your master's in pastoral leadership, and you have a huge burning heart for family ministry. And, And, you know, you and I had a conversation recently about the significance and the exact need for men mm. to be on fire for their faith. Let's talk about why that's so important. Yeah, I think it's always good to know the background behind that. And in my experience, yeah, my focus in terms of theology and ministry is is the ministry to families. And I do remember like the the moment when I was like, okay, this is this is something real, not only a need in the church, but a need for my ministry. I was working uh not rather working but ministering in in a in a in a youth night that our school that i teach at saint scholastic in covington um and we're just having some time of prayer and teens were welcomed to come pray with a with a teacher or minister if they so desired and this one one teenage boy um come up to me never met him in my life never seen him but totally open for him to, to have this moment of prayer with me comes up i'm like in my head preparing I'm like oh, he's probably gonna ask about like friend life, like, hey, I'm really struggling with A and just stop B. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can do this. First words out of his mouth is, I hate my dad. That's that's all he could say. He couldn't say anything else. He could just repeat, like, I hate my dad. I hate my dad. And I was like, oh, okay, there's something real here. Like, there's, there's something that, like, there's something more. And I prayed with him. Don't remember what I said. Don't remember what the spirit kind of led me towards. He left, sat down, had a had a good experience for the rest of the night, but that that prayer intention just stayed with me to the point that I realized like any ministry that I was doing to teens was never going to be separated from the reality of their family life, particularly the reality 
of the relationship to their dads. Okay, but but here's the deal, Rafi, with that, is that I know there would be a tendency to think, oh my gosh, this must be a horrible dad, what's he done to his son? But it could just be simply Mm -hmm. not that at all. He's a teenager. Oh, yeah. And he, I'm sorry, we've all been teenagers, but we all are parents, we can become parents, you know, God willing, if that's his plan for our lives. So my question to you would be, how did that jump from not being about teen ministry necessarily, but about seeing, okay, well, maybe the men need some help. Maybe the dad needs to even know that this is going on. Mm-hmm. You realize the dad doesn't even mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm. realize mm-hmm. it. And so there's a ministry of mercy for the dads and the men here. So oh, yeah. give us that jump of where you went with that when it comes to ministry with men. Yeah, and I think from that point, what I kept, and I think I credit the <clears throat> Lord in this encountering, was that continual moments of, of teens and of actually of, of mothers talking to me saying like oh like i came to your night for parents that i run at my school but my husband didn't really want to come or my my students being like oh like my mom really wants to do this oh my dad doesn't really want to and i was like realizing okay like there's a need for the family and particularly the men are in a sense needing to be i wouldn't even use the word pushed but invited into a particular deepening of their faith if that makes sense so Honestly, I can relate to this because when my husband and I first came back to the church, um, one of his comments to me after I would invite him to events, events, and he would go and he would look around and he'd say, everybody's female. Yeah. Why aren't there any men here? Mm-hmm. Why don't we have more men showing up? I would say, and I, I'd use this analogy for my own life because it's slightly embarrassing to me, uh, <laughs> that you know I started going to the gym seriously about three years ago. You know, I was an athlete kind of in, in high school, college, not even remotely. Um, one thing I, I got married, I kind of looked at myself, I'm like, I'm pudgy. I got to do something about this. Uh, I remember going to the gym first time, looking around being like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I know that is a pull-up bar. I know those are weights and I'm supposed to lift them in some way. I was totally out of my element. And then some ways I didn't want to go back because I didn't want to walk in there with all these guys who were like just grunting and throwing things and just like, ah, you know, um, and be, be made a fool in a couple of times. I kind of was. You just described my family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but in some ways, like, why didn't I want to? Because like, part of the masculine heart, we want to go into something at the very least knowing that we have some sort of grasp on it, that, 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 that we can at least meet it what it is in a level. Right, and not like the level, the highest level, but a level. And I have found that a lot of times, particularly with men, if you go up to a group of women and say, "Like, let's have a Bible study," like, let's let's yeah, let's no, say, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, but with men, a lot of times their no is not like no, I don't want to go closer to the Lord, but like no, because I I I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. There's 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 there is in some ways this subconscious, I would even call it fear. Of not meeting up. Well, right. And of course, men put everything in boxes, right? Mm-hmm. And we're very careful to not let the boxes touch. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. And when you take out one box, you put it back in very, very carefully. Oh, yeah. Right? So men are not necessarily going to, you know, women, we're just a big jumble ball of wire in our heads, right? It's just <laughs> all connected. Um, so they're not necessarily going to even know it as fear. Mm-hmm. It's just, nope, I don't want to do that. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. And there is a desire to have a level, some level of, um, what's the word, just familiarity with something mm-hmm. so that I won't mm-hmm. look like an idiot. Um, 
Okay, so then what? So if it's not, hey, come to a Bible study like the women will do, you know, um, then what is it? Is it sports? Is it um, getting them interested in what their children are doing? Is it meeting them at business, at work? What is yeah, it? Yeah, I would say, and I'm going to use one of my favorite things in theology, it, it's both and, or both everything. <laughs> like, it, it is all those things. And finding that a lot of times men put things in boxes and I find that sometimes they put their their faith life into a box without realizing the reality that faith life not just um, guides the rest of life, but should infuse all other aspects of life, right? And and so what I've started to do, and this is not intentional, but it's moving towards that intentionality that I've been desiring. Me and my some of my buddies, like we just got started to get together for for for, for beer, whiskey, sometimes cigars. That transformed. Obviously, there was brotherhood that developed. Then some of the guys, we would just get together for cigars. And then that conversation was just just conversing about faith life, about being men, about being husbands. Actually, literally yesterday, a couple of guys, like just two guys and, 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 and myself, I'm going to try to get a couple more guys in there. We actually came together and said, no, we got to be more intentional about this. So we got together last night for, I guess, for like an official meeting, if you want to call it that. And the whole time we're saying, okay, like, no, we're going to read scripture. In two weeks, we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about it because what we understand is that being a father in the 21st century, right, calls for intentionality. And we're very intentional with, with our sports. We're very intentional with our business. We're very intentional with so many aspects of our lives, except a lot of times I find that men will look at their experience of church as, oh, I'm going to go to mass and I'm going to take my family. I'm going to make my kids go to mass because they have to do that. But then when it when that should be translated into his interior life, they're like, no, 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 I don't got, I, I, I go to mass. <laughs> you look, that's it. Like I, I go to mass. That's what I do. But in reality, and you look at the statistics, like there was a study done in Sweden between 94 and 2000. And it shows statistically like what would happen if like one parent was like a regular attendant to mass. And they actually noticed that like in terms of percentage wise, if the father was a regular attendee and the mother wasn't, you actually had a jump from like the mother being a regular attendee would make the 33% of the kids become regular attendees. If the father did it though, it went up to like 38%. Um, so you, you really are seeing that the linchpin of family participation within the life of the church, a lot of times is the leadership of the, of the father. And a lot of dads don't realize that that power they're given to lead their children and their wives more fully into the life of faith. And do you think sometimes they don't really think that's what their wives want? I've I've heard conversations of couples, you know, people do you really felt comfortable saying mm. it in front of us saying, you know, I I didn't really realize this is what she wanted. I thought she was happy being in charge and the mm. wife saying, "No, I don't want to be in charge. I want you to lead us." Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I see two sides of that. Like one women saying like we want to we want some sort of leadership. We want a participation in the faith life by the husband because we don't they want, don't want to feel alone in that, A. And then B, I've had conversations with some guys, some of my friends, and it's like, oh, well, the church is emasculated. The church is too feminine. I'm like, well, why? Well, because maybe it's the fact that men aren't volunteering in the church. Maybe it's because men aren't stepping up and saying, where is my place to serve the church? I'm not saying all men are like this, right? But there is something to, to, to be noted. I had a student of mine who came and visited me. She's going to be a focus missionary. And she said, and she made a little passing joke saying, you know, most of, uh, most of the people who volunteered for her group were women. 
and they're just trying to find men. I was a missionary with, with Life Teen every summer of my college years, and we always had that running joke of like, if you're a guy who applies, you're probably going to get in. Uh, and I've always carried that with me, and I always had the question, why? And I think, why? It's perhaps because men um, are not feeling comfortable to participate, and perhaps we are not finding ways to really invite them in and saying like, this is going to really be edifying and good for you and going to really help you nurture your leadership, nurture your masculinity by participating in the life of the church. It's got to be fun. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's got to be fun. And I do think that if there's a, a tendency to feminize what the men do, mm. that there's going to be some rejection of that just because it's not comfortable. Um, you know, I know my my husband is very involved. He's a convert. Um, but his involvement is different than mine. Mine's more theological. I'm, you know, I'm the one that went and got the master's degree in theology. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that um, did the catechesis for the most part, but he has always 100% participated in it. And then he's led in his own way. He's done a lot. We, we've done a lot at the parish level, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that men have to feel that freedom to lead in their own way. Mm -hmm. Leading is not necessarily, and I, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but it's not necessarily memorizing scripture mm -hmm. and you know training your children to do that. Do you see that there is an openness um, to, to let men be creative and to lead in the way that they can lead and that they want to lead. I mean, uh, my, real quick, we had a time where I wasn't in the church and we were in this strict evangelical thing in mm. Southern California. And the men were told that they had to go to their children's rooms and put a list outside the door saying, dad, as the priest of the home, has this vision for your room. I mean, Ugh. really crazy. I'm sorry. It's, oh, it was yeah, so yeah. outlandish. And, you know, my husband was like, there's just no way. Like, uh, that is not happening, okay? I got this, mm -hmm. you know, brave heart, William Wallace, Scottish dude that I'm married to. There's no way. Freedom! Freedom, yes. That, that's my husband. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, just elaborate on that yeah, for me. I think going back to the both and, it is, it is both root, the father rooting their children in the word and being creative in that. I think the freedom of a man to do that is is to realize, and I think this is a journey in, in my own spiritual life as a father, is realizing that, yeah, I've got to root myself in the Word. I have to root myself in Scripture and the life of the church. And when I do that, then I can be creatively good as a father. You know, I think that's, that's and how that's done, it really depends on the life of the family, the particular family, that particular domestic church, rooting itself in truth, and then being creative with that, if that makes sense. Rafi, you're a husband, you're a father, you're working in ministry, you have another job, you are you're also have worked on your master's. Okay, you've got a lot going on, let's just say. <laughs> but everything good that is happening for you has to come out of your prayer life. So oh, yeah. can you give us some ideas of how you, you know, you practically make that prayer time happen? Yeah, um, that's a wonderful and terribly hard question um <laughs> it's hard I isn't it let's face it it's hard we're talking yesterday and i think for, for me some one of my buddies um chris he's like the rosary champion like he can just knock out rosary after rosary meditatively so i i cannot i have a very short attention span can't do that um what i do i have a my scapular rosary that i always have with me and i just kind of do my own little chaplet of when i when i'm finding myself in need of prayer 
I'll just grab my rosary and just start saying like, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, like St. Thomas, the Apostles, my confirmation saint. So I always carry that with me. That is in some ways that I kind of continuously dive into prayer. Um, I have found that Liturgy of the Hours, particularly for men, who like that instruction, like bam, 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 <laughs> do these things. Guys are like, they react well to it. So Liturgy of the Hours can definitely help for the lay person to begin a rhythm of prayer. I've been moving more now towards just sitting with Scripture like reading scripture and just really sitting with it. I think those tangible things, putting in your hand, look at it with your eyes, have it in your hand and read it, those help men have this thing right in front of them they can sit with, move towards, and then even after that, finding different writings. The writings of the saints, I think, are invaluable and sometimes relegated only to those who are edu- educated theologically. But I think a lot of a lot of the church's theology is made to be accessible, if that makes sense. Rafi Flores, it totally makes sense. We are so excited to have had this time with you. Thank you for coming to light the fire for the men. Awesome. Thank you all so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, Lisa, it it does need to happen to hear a male voice, you know, to hear all these different voices in the church and the different ways that God moves and the Holy Spirit moves and lights the fire in people in their different situations in life, too. Yes. And I loved what Rafi said about you know, your interior life is going to spill over, right? When we're when we're praying, when we're really connected in that relationship with God, of course it's gonna spill over into into everywhere we go. Well it is. And it I I just think I, I know I my husband it, I don't mean to keep referring to him, but having been a convert, it's been interesting to see his all of his, you know, discoveries and then seeing it from a man's perspective because um, you know, he is very much, you know, he's got those boxes in his head and those boxes don't touch. <laughs> and so it it's like, Oh, wow, really? I never thought of this before and I'm I'm sorry. I'm not always the best wife. I'm like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I kinda thought of that before. But um <laughs> You know, it's really interesting. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, God came to this earth as a man. That's right. And we need the men. As a man. And he was fully man, fully human, but fully man. And so um, I think it's so important. And I think what Rafi said about inviting the men in to do the volunteering so it's not just the women, that's another aspect of this. Yes, we need and, to focus on, and and we will we will um, put a little cherry on top of of the Sunday right here and say the praying women covering the men in prayer will light the fire too. As long as they're not just saying, Lord, change him. <laughs> we have to be open right? to being worked on, Because isn't that right? what what happens a lot of times? That's right. Okay, Lisa. Well, you know, we got our little sparks that we got to talk about. Okay, Susie. I have this new thing of wanting to go and going to the farmer's market. If if I lived in if we lived in Europe, we wouldn't be going to Walmart or Target and stocking up for weeks at a time. We would go to the market daily. Now, I'm not saying I go daily, but going on a weekend and getting your fruits and vegetables for the week is kind of fun because you're using what's seasonal. And that sparked me. Well, of course it did. It's fresh, it's local, you know, it's like that's like a cool thing to do. And it's it makes nice me look. want to cook hel- in, you know, in healthy ways and, well, it and use what's fresh. And you get like those big bunches. And if we lived in Europe, we wouldn't put our bread in paper either. And that really bothers me. <laughs> okay? I just can't get on the moped and put the little bungee cord over the raw bread. <laughs> Susie. I can't do it. I mean, I was a French minor in college, and they showed pictures of little French people on the mopeds and the raw bread. Okay. Um, what sparked me? 
You know, online shopping people, AliExpress, new thing I've discovered, you want to get cute stuff, inexpensive. I mean, like, really, we know what the markup is in stores. Okay, we all know we still want our prestige symbols. I get it. But holy smokes, I really like this website. Wait, what's it called again? I've never heard of it. AliExpress. Now, you know, it's from the slow boat, and so it takes a while to come. But, you know, if you're not in a time crunch, it is, like, really fun. All right, we've got some shopping and some farmer's market shopping to do. Clothes and food. Sounds good. All right, thank you so much for joining us. Come back next time. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie on Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.